0: Hello, welcome and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy the podcast. I'm your host Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time superhost and I've hosted over 1000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere. So you too can have no vacancies that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. And welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. And today I have on a friend of mine who is one of the ladies in my monthly Taco Tuesday crew, Stephanie Figueros. And she. I'm going to have to let her introduce herself because she does literally everything. Every time I talk to her, I learn that she's somehow has another income stream and is doing something else I wasn't aware of. She's an agent and a major investor all over the country. You know what, Steph? I'm just going to let you take it from here because literally you'll do a better job recapping and you do everything. It blows me away. So welcome to the show. And do you want to tell us your story and a little bit about what you do? Yeah, sure. So thanks for having
1: me on, Natalie. I'm Stephanie Figueros. I'm a former registered nurse turned real estate investor, realtor, entrepreneur, everything under the sun within short-term rentals. I actually left the hospital during the pandemic, just because I figured, I'm like, this can't be it for the next couple of eons. I'm not going to be a jaded nurse. I felt like there has to be more. So I was actually going to start an e-commerce business, and then my partner actually showed me some YouTube videos on real estate. And I'm like, okay, we're going to scrap e-commerce, and we're just going to go all in on real estate. And so... I was able to quit my job in nine months and match my income as a registered nurse through short-term rentals. What I do as of today, still, I do primarily short-term rentals. I've arbitraged, I've joint ventured, I own, I co-host. I'm also an STR realtor. I'm a coach. I'm a mentor. I have a community that I have founded and have grown, as tier Nation in Southern California. And I'm always, I'm a very ambitious person. (laughs) I tend to thrive in a lot of things. I get forward with just one thing at a time. So, and maybe that's just the nurse and me. We love organized chaos. It just, it, what me, it's what makes us go. So I'm here in California, but what I've come to learn is I really enjoy long distance real estate investing. So I'm in California, Texas, Tennessee, and Florida, and I've built an in-house team where we manage all of those properties, both the ones that I own, as well as those for others, all from Southern California. Um, So I'm excited to tell you more kind of how that works, just because I think a lot of people, they get scared about, well, I don't know, if I can't see the property, like what then? And I actually find it easier in a lot of ways than being super close to your property. That's a short synopsis, long synopsis
0: on me. Yeah, I love it. And you're so well connected too. I know that you work with and are friends with a few past guests we've had on the show. You run STR Nation with Patrick Switek, who you guys can go back and listen to his episode. And then you are also newly an agent with Savvy Realty. And we've had Tyler Kuhn on a previous episode as well. So very well connected. And before we go any further, can we shout out what you have upcoming for any fellow Southern Californians?
1: Yes. So we actually have our conference on September 24th through 26th in San Diego at The Lane. It's our second annual Tier Nation conference. It's all about short-term rentals. We're going to have people talk about design, boutique hotels, the vacation space, co-hosting, arbitrage. It's going to be amazing. And we actually have our wonderful host here, Natalie, as one of our panelists. So if you're interested in that, check out www.estur-nation.com for more info.
0: Yeah, we'll link that below. And that's another way that Stephanie and I have bonded just over being conference planners and stuff, but all the intricacies that go with that. But thank you so much. I'm so excited to, to be there and be one of the speakers that week. It's gonna be so fun. But let's jump into everything about hosting remotely. I know you said that's one of your big passions and I agree with you 100%. I always say that hosting from afar is easier than hosting locally because it just forces you to run it like a business and have that different mindset. You're not gonna be running over to change batteries in a smoke alarm or like leave a bottle of wine for your guests or anything like that. You have to figure out how to operate it higher level. So do you wanna to talk to us about how you started investing out of state and what the what that process looked like and how you built your team and operations? Sure, so my first rental was 30 minutes away from me. This was actually
1: an arbitrage that I acquired and it started with me treating that property as if it was far away because Love I was that. going there after every turn. I was the inspector. I was the restocker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything. I was the plumber, even though I had no idea how to do that. <laughs> Anytime something bad happened, we would go. And then we realized that this just was not sustainable. And I was working full time still at the nur- as a nurse at the time. So once we made a deal, or actually, I made a deal with my partner, I said, we're going to not go to the house for like, as long as possible. And we're just going to call people to go when anything goes wrong with it. I was in the market to buy. And at the time I just was like, maybe out of state, I want to try. It was just something I've wanted to do. So going out of state was made possible once I started treating my property wherever it was as if it was far away. So long distance doesn't have to be out of state. It can be a couple hours from you. You can pretend it's 10 minutes from you mm-hmm. just in order to operate something that does not require you to be physically there. So actually through some meetups in person, I met other real estate investors. I met a particular person, Alex, actually, who was successfully doing this in Tennessee. And I was like, he was one of many people that I met, but he was one of the people that I actually continued to just talk to. So at that point, I found a community all over the internet through, through Facebook and just started following different groups. So I joined a bunch of different, what's going on in this neighborhood, whether it was in California or far away, just to get a feel for the area. Cause I, I'm not from anywhere other than here. So once I kind of got into that, it, a lot of it was referral based. So I started asking everybody that was doing this successfully from a distance, you know, who do you like to use for your lender? Like who's your realtor? And one thing I found that was a common denominator, especially with just far distance real estate investing, because we bought these properties sight unseen, which is, it's really scary to do. We didn't set foot or see that property, not until we closed. So finding somebody that's specialized in an asset sauce that you're looking in. So in this case, short term rentals was huge. My realtors short for rentals; They operated my lenders, same thing. And then finding my vendors, my cleaners, my handymen. I love Facebook groups. I actually yeah. still find all my vendors through Facebook groups. I just flipped a mm-hmm. house in Crestline and I found contractors through Facebook groups. <laughs> and that was, they actually worked out for me. And so that and actually finding neighbors. A good example I have a property in Crystal Beach, Texas. And in, through a Facebook group, I found my neighbor who happened to live in Ohio or somewhere yonder. And she posted a photo of her property, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the teal house right next to you. And so we DM'd back and forth. So now every time, we each take turns going into... And shout out to you, Michelle, if you're listening. If, you, if we ever go to our houses to go visit, we'll always check on each other's houses. And I when have like, a long person. It's really funny. I have a long person, and then I was like, who do you use? They can just keep going and know my lawn. And so I did. The, I do this in Florida, too. I actually have my neighbors she gave me her some of her chairs she was moving in and i went over and introduced myself Turns out she was redecorating and said do you want these stools and so i said yeah and so we keep in touch too and so i think without estate investing and building your team it really comes down to putting yourself out there to get to know people whether it's just to mm-hmm. share that you have this property here let me know if you're in the neighborhood Or physically going and knocking next door. It's like, there's a new little truck. They're either moving out or moving in.
0: And so, yeah. uh, And those are just two examples of what we've done with our neighbors. I love those examples. And I do a lot of co-hosting. And for me, I found every co-host client literally just through that. If we checked on our properties and I saw somebody redecorating or moving around, like I would just go knock and talk to them and see what's going on. And that's how I found all my co-host clients. From there, it's been word of mouth and referrals. But I really love that suggestion with the neighbors because I think so many hosts think that their neighbors are their competition, but it's a huge support system if you can tap into that. I know with one of our condos, the upstairs neighbor has been a very good resource and we've gone back and forth with things. If I had a guest who complained that there was a party being thrown upstairs at her unit and I immediately notified her and she was able to shut it down before code compliance came or any fines and like vice versa, we've really helped each other. So do not be afraid of that competition element. I think it's better to have support like that. And one thing you said was funny too, how you got free chairs. We gave a set of free chairs to one of our neighbors because we literally were getting rid of them and she like showed up and they fit her place perfectly. So go knock on doors. You might get free furniture.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I was like, I need some stools. And she's like, Take mine. And they and because <laughs> We went. And we, we she helped him put it there, and we took back. And she's like, "I think they look better in your house than my house."
0: Yeah, yeah that's Different. exactly what happened here. We were trying to get rid of them. We didn't think they fit anymore, so we sold them to her for super cheap. But in her place, they looked even better. So there's another selfish reason to go knocking and get to know your neighbors. You might end up with free bar stools. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I would love to talk to you about virtual assistants. I know that this is something you're huge on and really helps with all the remote operations and being able to step back from your business. Tell us all about this. Where are you, where are you finding VAs? How are you training them? All the things. Sure. So it took me a while to actually get myself to hire help
1: just because since I self-manage, I'm, and I know how to do the whole role, right, from A to Z. And so there's two ways you can do this. You can either go through an agency where they pretty much train the VA up to like the basics and fundamentals of whatever it is. So short term rentals, but you still have to teach them like your house, or you can source the VA yourself directly and train them from the ground up. So I chose the harder way, which I actually don't know if that's necessarily harder, but I guess in some cases it is. So the way I sourced her. I went on Facebook groups. See, I love Facebook groups. And at the time, there was actually this Facebook group called Airbnb Virtual Assistants. Like, I don't think you could get a name anymore, like, exact of what you would need. I, don't, I think they actually took that group down, but there's plenty of others. And I pretty much put a flyer together of the traits of what I wanted in a VA. And I didn't even know exactly, like, what the job description looked like. I just put some feelers out there. And so we had, we basically just asked them for resumes and then screened from there on whether or not they fit. And if they did, we kind of put them in a, like a follow-up pile, so to speak. And then from there, we would send them a Google form and then an actual summary that we'd have to create on what the tasks would be and the qualifications. And then if they pass that, then we would pretty much invite them to an interview. And with my most recent assistant, I actually, I'm ha- I had them all do personality tests with the disc test. Do that the first time and I'm actually really glad I did that like this recent, most recent time just because I know what I am. I'm a D and I'm an also, but I'm an S which is an interesting personality. So I'm like, should I get somebody that's kind of like me or someone that's not like me? But when it came to training on the first full assistance, I had them one cover a day shift and one cover night shift. So at least we would have almost 24 seven coverage. I stopped coverage at 2 a.m. because at that point, Most guests should be sleeping. (laughs) Yeah, And I just never felt like it was needed and served me quite well. And so when it comes to training, at that point, I go through a ramp. So we first start with basics, whether they knew Airbnb or not. I would still train them and do a Loom video and a PowerPoint presentation on kind of like how does Airbnb work and VRBO and then just the booking process. And then we went into what the channel manager looked like. At the time, I was onboarding with HostAway, and they actually trained my VA for me or my VAs for me. I had two of them. Oh, wow. The That's yeah. kind of, And it's nice because if actually, if you ask, depending on the PMS channel you have, they will train your VAs as part of it, and you don't have to, like, pay extra. It's just, they see it as part of your team. So I didn't have to train them how to use HostAway. They got to do it with, through a session with somebody else. And then at that point... We started with just guest communications. So they didn't have to worry about vendors. They didn't have to worry about anything else. I just needed to see how they would talk to guests. And we automate a bunch of our stuff. So it's like, how much are they talking? But it Mm -hmm. was the questions that are not as obvious and to see how they thought. Once they passed, there's usually like two weeks of just guest comms. I think you could do one week. I think that's what I'm doing now is just one week of guest communications. Then we move on to one market. And since I'm in different markets, I have a Loom video talking about not just the property, but like the overall, like what kind of guests do we have? Where oh, wow. they come from? Okay. We talk about the cleaners, their little, like how they do stuff. And then we go into the houses and the listing with each property. And so I, gave, I give them like the easiest why and work my way to the hardest. And then the last thing they get are the vendor communications, just because those are your A players and you want to keep them happy. Okay. Um, probably by the end of the month, usually I try to hit this in one month period for a training. Then they're at least talking to my vendors, updating them and conversing with them. But that's how I've trained all my VAs and it's worked out quite well. And now they're going to be training each other is how it's going. How many properties are
0: being managed in your portfolio?
1: Right now that we have active, I have six that are mine, and then I have three that are somebody else's and it kind of ebbs and flows depending on the owner. Sometimes I've given an owner literally like a three-month break before where we knew it was temporary. So we don't have her anymore. So
0: that's where we're at. So you're at about nine to 10 listings and you have only one VA on at a time and they just take shifts. Was that correct? Yeah. So
1: we had a day shifter from like, I think she started either six in the morning and then we had them go for 10 hours each. And then that second person was able to at least hit the people that are coming in late at night. And that's kind of how we structured our schedules. Okay. And they're working seven days a week, like weekends too? Uh, six days. So I had, had it where it's Wednesday through Monday. And then it's an overlap to where the next day has Tuesday through or Thursday through Tuesday. So there's always somebody covering. There is like a little gap where there's nobody there, but... We handled those ourselves. We were in house, so it wasn't a big deal. But that's how we structure ours. And then we kind of consider them on call more than because they're not actually working for the full, like, right. You know, they're right. just kind of standby and they're happy because it's not stressful work. It's just somebody has to be paying attention
0: more than Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And so you mostly talked about like guest communications, but now if your cleaner had questions or something was broken and she wanted to report a maintenance issue, she's also going to the VAs now, like you're completely removed.
1: I'm pretty much at the point where I still, cause there's nobody in between me and the VA. I still oversee and I think that's just how I like to operate as I still like to know what's going on, but I don't have to yes. like right now, I don't have to talk to anybody cause she's, She's handling, we have somebody for our co-host property in Texas trying to trim a tree down. So she's keeping tabs on him. But not only are they doing, talking to vendors, they're talking and getting quotes from other people. So if something breaks, they're the ones sourcing those. And I've given them criteria of how to go about asking and to always ask if there is an estimate or a fee asked to go to the property. Like a okay. tripping. Yeah. That was, I learned was, I, I, that was my fault. I had a, mine YV bless her she didn't realize it but there was a charge for this guy just to go see it and she didn't know to ask that question and I didn't think about because I know to ask but I never told her that she had to ask
0: okay are your VAs getting like full access to your credit cards or your Venmo or your Zelle like to pay cleaners and pay these vendors out or are you still the one do they come to you and say like hey there's been an invoice from this contractor can you go pay it
1: we're still at the point where we haven't given them financial access, I'm starting to see ways that we can do it. What they'll do at the very least, and I thought this was cool. She actually came up with it. I didn't come up with this. There's something called Share a Cart. So you can link this to different, like Amazon, for example. So if I need resupplies, she'll go and create a cart with whatever the get like, whatever the cleaner needs to be resupplied. She'll share it with me. And then I just complete the transaction with my card that's already attached to my Amazon. And now I don't have to like go in and look for it. She looks at it for me
0: and puts it together. Okay. Gotcha. And they and this workflow like seems okay. Is there ever a time where like are they being paid for the full 10 hours or like only when there's a message that they have to jump on for? How does the payment work with them?
1: Good question. So... We have it as a flat fee and not an hourly fee. Just speak for this position because they're on call. So there's some days where it's fees for famine. So I felt like, well, I would rather just pay you kind of like a salary type of thing versus an hourly. I mean, it does kind of go back to hourly, but that's how we structure it. So they'll get paid no matter what. But I give them projects to do outside of just like they'll do marketing for me too. Not just comms for us. Okay. Okay.
0: And they are mostly involved with just the listing and the operations. They are not looking for deals or looking how to grow the business. That's what you work on.
1: Yes. So I have them very department comp- or compartmentalized, where okay. I just want you to focus on the rentals and advertising it in your off time or when you're not doing any projects that I assign them within the STRs, because. If I started to take one of my videos away from it and I just noticed her attention wasn't as good. So now I have somebody else that helps me that I just hired. That's going to help me more and grow the business. Okay.
0: That's so exciting. And I really like how when you have them on call, you're giving them other projects to do. So they're not just waiting around for a guest to send a message or anything like that. And they're still staying occupied the entire time for when you're paying them. At what point have you had, and I'm sure that this just gets better with time, but like how often do your VAs have to ask you questions now? Like I know it's not truly passive, but when are there moments where they're just like, I have no idea how to respond to this guest or I cannot find a contractor for this? Like how often are you having to step in?
1: Not as often, but I will say at the very beginning, it was a challenge to have them be comfortable taking it on, they were a little worried. And I think that's with a lot of people, to be honest, and not just VAs, but they don't, they know the answer. They just want you to be, they want reassurance. And so I have repeated myself to them. I am empowering you to make the best decision you can make, and I will not be upset with you either way. Mm -hmm. I think when I repeat that to them sometimes, it helps because now they're like, okay, she's given me permission. So it doesn't come up The only time that I have noticed that it does come up is when it's like something that's like, for example, septic. They don't know what they, or at least they aren't familiar with septic systems. And I'll step in to give them the short version and now they learn something new. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
0: So there are, because I know you use VAs from the Philippines, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure that there just are some like cultural differences. And I know they speak excellent English, but yeah, that's I guess my concern was like, are there certain just like things where you have to jump in and be like, here's how to use this or something like that?
1: Yeah, but I, it's actually funny because sometimes I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah, that's a great question. Let's Figure it out together how we're going to do this. So, And I don't mind because the one thing I told them is if it's like, if it's really important, it could either affect our reviews, it costs money or something thereof. It's OK to ask that question to me after you've exhausted Google. And YouTube to figure it out.
0: Okay, so you really want them to like be problem solvers and learn this on their own before they come to you. Gotcha. Yeah,
1: I think it's just it's easier because I made the mistake at the very beginning of being the bottleneck
0: for everything. Yeah, like you can do it. I believe. Yeah, you- and that defeats the whole point of why you sought out to hire them and train these people so they can take that that workload. Are you willing to open up with like some numbers and cost, and just be a little transparent about this? Like how much are you paying them? And I know you said you do a flat fee instead of hourly. Did you ever try hourly? Like what's been your experience around pricing? How often do you pay them? All of that stuff. Sure. So
1: I pay my VAs really well. I know I pay them way more than I think some people do and I'm okay with that. So I'm Filipino too.
0: I'm not and when you say you pay them well I would say that's relative to the Philippines right like I don't think there's a VA in the U.S. that would do it it okay okay I'll
1: tell you the exact number I pay her 750 but she works or she's on a month so yes 750 a month she's on six days a week and she's on for 10 hours a day on call and we've actually we kind of Tested that number a little bit. We started at 700 when we first kind of had probation, is what I put everybody through. But she's been doing such an amazing job. Like I do not want to lose her, and and we really like her and want to have her on our team. So we actually gave her an increase to 750, and she's like as happy as a clam. And we pay her biweekly, every two weeks through Wise, and we're that's good with us. So,
0: do you use? Because I know you said that you found them on Facebook groups. Do you use? like certain apps I know there's apps where you can find VAs and like pay them through that and communicate through there are you doing anything like that or is it just like once you've found them and hired them you guys just go back and forth in your own communication style we don't use like I guess that type of system
1: I know you can find VAs like through online jobs ph just one right versus like you don't have to do Facebook groups. there's VA I like there's a ton of different right. sites that you can source them from we use primarily WhatsApp just to talk. It's like our team WhatsApp. I do use, so I have a company phone number through open phone, probably the best one. i have well-researched this. So it's, you can text, you can call from it. I use Asana for us to keep track of our projects together. So they have their kind of like their assignments through what do they have to do on a routine basis for every check-in-checkout. But that's like stuff that we've created in-house. Nothing that's kind of like a all-in-one-stop shop.
0: So guests do not get your phone number at all. They're getting a company phone number that you can text or call. And that's also what the VAs are all communicating from.
1: Yep. So that way there's always somebody that can, no, somebody's always paying attention to the open phone number. I have access to it too, but that's her phone number to use whenever she has to communicate with somebody.
0: I'm curious how you are doing everything like with your different OTAs, Airbnb, Verbo, or a direct booking site. Do you actually have them log in as you on Airbnb or something like that? Or are they just managing everything from your PMS or your channel manager?
1: So the way we have it is I have, there's a couple of layers to this. So for let's say Airbnb, that one she has her, we have a team email. That we all have access to but that's her email that she's responsible for so we created an account on airbnb for her to co-host my properties she does want access though when she needs to for let's say a listing creation so so that has to be done a primary account verbal doesn't allow having a co-host so she does have access to that we do and then host away we have you can give portal access to different people so we have it for our owners we have it for our virtual assistant And then we have ours at the overall admin profile.
0: Another question I just thought of is what are you doing with pricing for your listings? Do you just use a dynamic pricing model and that's on like just rolling on its own or are you having your VAs go in there and adjust pricing at all?
1: So we use Price Labs for us. We've always used Price Labs. It's actually funny because right now up to this point, I gave away listing optimization for a little while, but. I decided, I I just decided this on my own for no real reason to take it back. But now I'm actually trying to give it back again. So currently she doesn't do revenue management. I do Do it, but I'm actually starting to teach her how to do it. And just because I'm realizing it's, it does me no good to only be, to be the only person that knows how to do something. So now I'm like sharing it with all
0: my team members in house, how to do stuff. What was the thought process behind bringing it back? Because they were doing it for a while and then you took it back on.
1: I think I took it because I, I maybe that was like the control part of, of knowing like, because I think for me, it kept me accountable because once I stopped paying as much attention, I felt like, okay, well, I still want to, who's going to keep tabs on, on it? So I just took yeah, it too. back. I was a, just like an assurance thing. Even though we could have both been doing it, I just decided I want to keep it. I really had no, like, I just out of nowhere, I was like, maybe I felt like I needed
0: something to do <laughs> for all I knew. Yeah. Maybe you gave away too much. So it was like, what am I doing anymore?
1: Yeah. Like I need to do something. So I was like, or I want to do something very impactful. Cause once I yeah. gave it a I was like, well, that's nice. But then, but it's fine because now I'm back. I'm trying to give it away.
0: Give it back to them. Okay. But I love your training style and everything. Like you really are trusting them slowly, but surely. And it seems like you train them like week by week a little bit, but I think it makes so much more sense to have them take on the whole business in a sense. Like if they can understand pricing and stuff, they'll understand if like honestly, I've noticed that when prices lower, those guests are more demanding and things like that. Like they really will learn a lot by having a pulse on every touch point of the business. So I think it just helps you in the long run to do that as well. I'm trying to think if there's like anything else. Tell me, am I missing? I'm so new to this whole thing with VAs. Like, is there any more advice you would give on what to look for in a candidate or how to retain them and keep them happy? I don't know. Any more like tips and tricks you found?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can think of some. So one thing I've learned through the hiring process with virtual assistants or any, honestly, any hire in general is that you want to hire for the role and not the task just because they have. So my, one of my prerequisites was Airbnb experience, or at least some form of it, whether it was directly with Airbnb or property managing for somebody else. However, when it came down to the interviews, I don't, I stopped asking technical questions and I started asking critical thinking questions of, what do you think you should do? Or what would you do? Because how they answered it told me how they thought what their thought process was. I did make a mistake by, I think I overthought the capabilities of someone because I'm like, they're so qualified. But it turns out their personality actually did not fit the role. And that was somebody we had to let go. But the person that I speak so highly of, she, she, didn't, she had an Airbnb experience, was like something, but she never property managed. But her customer service answers were so good. (laughs) I was like, as long as she's open to learning new stuff, she has the makings of what I would need for this particular role. So I started realizing that the personality types of not only your connection with them, but how they're going to do their role in general, made more of a difference than whether or not they were actually qualified for it. So hire for the role not the task. I'm now being a lot more slower to hire, but much
0: quicker when it comes to seeing if it's going to be a good fit or not. That's really good advice. Hire for the role, not the task. Okay. And I'm glad you said that because I know you originally mentioned that you found people through like an Airbnb VA Facebook group, like so dialed in. And then you said you were showing them how to use Airbnb. So I was like, kind of confused. Wouldn't they know that already? But I guess that's kind of a learning lesson you had, that the people you hired who knew Airbnb already weren't necessarily the best fit. It was the people who could talk to people and had good customer service responses. That's I'm really glad you touched on that. And I know you mentioned the DISC personality test too. So you would recommend that you should take that yourself and really understand your personality and then hire for people that can complement what you're lacking.
1: Yes. And I, it's funny because I didn't do this in the very beginning, but I'm doing this more so now with my new hire. So I told you about this during our last Taco Tuesday, but I hired an executive assistant or a personal assistant. And that's such a, to me, I'm like, that's such a big role because not only they're going to be overseeing somewhat of the rentals, but not like the same way my other assistant is, but you know, that's going to be literally like, they're going to be my hip to hip with me. And so I'm like, what is it that I'm looking for in that person? And mm-hmm. for her, she's like, I'm really excited because at this point with everything that I'm doing, I need someone that's going to be even better organized than me, that can teach me how to be more on top of organized, which is funny because I used to be that person. And so I think she actually will compliment me very well. And then one thing I kind of, I figure this out during the interview sessions. I was thinking I wasn't going to have anybody else be on it, and it was just going to be a one-on-one. But then I decided at the very last minute, I'm going to get my lead VA on the call just to observe and just to be there. Not to say anything, not to ask questions, because I didn't want her to feel like uncomfortable, but I wanted her to be my second pair of eyes. And because I know they were going to be working together, somebody's going to be teaching somebody and vice versa. How are they going to interact too? And so... My lead VA for my rentals actually helped me pick my VA, my personal VA. And I think actually that helps her and me because she's seeing by how I'm interviewing and what I'm explaining. Mm -hmm. I should keep in mind as she continues to work with me um, because it's a never-ending process of improvement. And it teaches me how I need to be a better leader for them to be successful. So it's a lot of growth on both sides. Yeah culture is so important. So I'm like, all right, you do, you should be involved because if you're not happy and she's not happy or you're clashing, that's going to make me not happy. So good for you to at least be involved. And that was something I learned as I was doing it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Great insight. Thank you for sharing. I know that was one of the things we did talk about this week is when you said you were hiring a personal assistant for you and kind of a VA that's beyond just managing the short-term rentals you said, I think you're giving her like 40 hours a week or something, nine to five, Monday through Friday. And I remember I asked you like, do you have enough work to give her in that time? And you said something so wise, you were like, it will keep me accountable to like create tasks for her and give her enough work to do during that time. And I think that's a really good point too. It's not just that they're taking a workload off of you, but you have to now like put on your entrepreneur hat and think of how to give them full-time work if you're paying them for that time. So I love that. And I know for me, there are days where like, I don't start working till noon. And if I had somebody that I knew started their day at nine, I would be on making sure that they are working if I'm paying them. So yeah, I think that's a whole other topic, but just like the accountability you get from hiring someone.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's forcing me to figure out too how to put my mind to paper because I have these ideas, but now I need to really have it structured on well. Step one, this is how I want you to do it. And so, because it's like one question I had for myself was, what are they gonna do? And I'm like, okay, I need to find yeah. out what I do, but then how do yeah. I teach somebody to do what I do? So it, yeah, it's a it's I'm like, I see the growth part on both sides.
0: Yeah, I really like that. It makes you think like, how much time am I spending on certain tasks? Is this something I could pass off to someone? Do I have to be the one doing this? Can I train this? I really like that a lot. And especially if you do the personality assessment, which I think is most important if you're hiring a personal assistant, like they they really should be somebody who compliments you and has opposite skills. So I think it just helps you figure out where your strengths are and then not burn yourself out doing the other things. Yeah, I love this whole thing. And I think that people should, I know for me, this is a goal of mine by the end of this year to get my whole VA team in place. I don't have any right now and it's something I really want to do. And I know how much personal growth will come out of doing that. So I will turn to you when I have questions on all of that. In the meantime, if anybody is going to be in San Diego in September, please check out the link in the show notes and go grab your ticket for the Terra Nation event. I will be there. I know Stephanie and Patrick put on a great event. This will be their second one. So I'm excited to see everything you guys throw together. Is there anything else you want to share with us how to connect with you or how people can reach out if they have questions?
1: Sure. So uh, you can find me Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. My handle is just by name, Ask Stephanie Figueros.
0: And yeah, happy to connect with everybody. We'll link all of Stephanie's contact info below and as well as the link to go buy your ticket for s Nation's event. Thank you, Stephanie. I'll see you soon. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, this is one of the most wild things I have ever read. And we have to shout out my dad, actually, who brought this post to my attention for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole. He called me and said, oh my gosh, I just read this post in this one Facebook group. You have to talk about this on your podcast. And I couldn't find the post. He had tried sending it to me, but it was a group that I'm not a member of, so I couldn't see it. And while my membership was pending, I asked him to tell me what the post was. And he he tried to describe it to me. I'll give him that. He tried to describe it to me. He did not do it justice. And he admitted that. He said, you just have to wait and read the post yourself. It's about guests thinking that people are stalking them and watching them from trees and climbing in the trees and disguises are involved and it just he kept telling me over and over i tried to get more info and he was like i swear i can't do this justice you just have to get into that group and read the post for yourself thank god i finally got in and he was right he did not do the post justice let's just get into it so that i'm not leaving you guys hanging and you know what the heck i'm referring to all right here we go so this host posted well this is a first for me in 20 years my guests newly married middle-aged couple on their honeymoon rented one of my rentals at the beach They checked in Sunday night. Monday, they began calling the police to report 8 to 12 people were in the palm trees around the house watching them. They were also running back and forth across the roof of the house. The police came three times yesterday and found nothing. So I had to go last night with police escorts to check out the situation. Of course, I am assuming that they are on a bad trip. By the time we get there, they are already packing up to leave of their own accord. Said the people came back. I asked her to describe them to me. She said there were four people dressed in full camouflage suits that are sitting in the palm tree tops. There's one dressed like a scarecrow in the palm trees. There's three in ghillie suits in the trees. Side note, this is not part of the post. This is Natalie interjecting. I don't know if I'm the only person who did not know what a ghillie suit was before reading this. Go look it up. G-H-I-L-L-I-E. You will you will laugh your ass off. This is what snipers wear to be able to like lay down and be disguised with the ground covering. The thought that three people were in a palm tree, in a palm tree top wearing this has me like in tears laughing so hard. I, I Like that imagery, I will never get it out of my head. Okay, let's get back to the post. There was one with a green lantern mask on. Two in construction work costumes, one with a bandana on, and two that look normal. A boy and a girl, both in t-shirts and jeans, and the girl has a blonde ponytail. Ma'am, I ask, how did they get on the roof? Oh, they just jumped from the palm trees. She then tells me and the police, oh, I got pictures this time. She proceeds to show us pictures on her phone. The pics are of the tops of the palm trees. She kept zooming way in, saying, See? See the face right there? Do you see them? Y'all, there was absolutely nothing there. OMG. So we told them we didn't see anything, and she said, I know, I know, we sound crazy. That's what they all say back at home in Pennsylvania. I said, You see these people in Pennsylvania too? She said, Yes, they do it to us all the time there. They followed us here. They stayed for one night of a seven-night stay. Left to get away from the people in costumes that watched them. I hated the thought of them being out on the road, but they had to go. They had already taken down my smoke detectors, tore them apart, and said that those people had put devices in there to listen to them. Several pieces of artwork were down from the walls. All of the cords for the cable and TVs were pulled out and disconnected. I cannot imagine what a full week of them in the house would have looked like. I swear this business will show you all sorts of things. And then they attached a screenshot of the communications. The guest said, just at 1.14 p.m., just wanted to let you know that there are people climbing on the roof and in the trees around the property. At 4.58, so almost four hours later, the host says, I have tried to call you several times. Can you please call me back? I also have several missed calls from the police department. I feel like I may need to come down and do a wellness check. And that's it. That's all they attached. You guys what in the world did I just read am I the only person who when it talked about the part of them jumping from tree to tree am I the only person that instantly got an image of Edward Cullen with Bella on his back jumping from tree to tree in that one scene you know what I'm talking about you know what I'm talking about what in the world did I just read and you know my first go through of this I got that pain in my stomach where I was like oof Uh, this sounds like mental illness. Like I do want to be sensitive in my coverage of this and reaction to it. But the fact that it was a couple experiencing this together, a couple on their honeymoon, makes me think it's not mental illness. I think this is drugs because this is clearly some sort of shared psychosis. And I don't know what are the odds that this couple would both have the same shared mental illness, right? I'm not a psychologist, but my thought is this is drug related. Could be wrong, but I think they're on meth. I think that they're on a bad trip and this is just some sort of shared psychosis side effect from the drug they're doing together. The part where they said they followed them from Pennsylvania. You guys, like even if it is drugs and it's not mental illness, I'm I'm like I'm really sad for them. I mean, I know we can laugh a little bit because the absurdity of this Let's recap what they saw, okay? Let's, let's recap this. They claim that in the tops of the palm trees, there's one person dressed like a scarecrow, three in ghillie suits, one with a green lantern mask on, two in construction work costumes. Could they have just been construction workers? No, no, no. No, that's, that's just too normal. That's just, that's too far-fetched. They definitely were spies that followed them from Pennsylvania And disguise themselves as construction workers okay one with a bandana on and two that look normal a boy and a girl both in t-shirts and jeans and the girl has a blonde ponytail so there's two that look normal but i mean you know occam's razor there's no way that they're just a normal boy and girl they're definitely in on this whole scheme this is so sad and then they unplugged all the monitors and the cables and took the artwork down this is bad This one is bad. And then the whole, that's what they all say back home in Pennsylvania. Mm, I don't like it. I don't like it. I feel so bad for the host that had to deal with this. The thought of somebody in this mental state being in my home makes me so uncomfortable. I just feel like they'd be so unpredictable in this state. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. All right? I feel like that should go without saying. We all did our dare program in elementary school middle school but if you need a reminder everything is laced with fentanyl these days don't do drugs okay if you need to feel something go have an iced coffee and get some caffeine from that okay don't do drugs i think that this host handled this immensely well i'm very glad the police got involved they also give an update it was a verbo booking and they do give an update with what happened with their verbo support so i'll read that they say so i'm just sharing this here just to say this was a verbo booking i called verbo customer support and told them i was going to the house with police and felt sure i was going to have to put these people out i would be glad to send them police reports etc if needed Verbo's response was amazing. They said, no, ma'am, you do not have to send us anything. It is your house. You are welcome to do whatever you wish. You can evict whomever you want with or without refund. You don't even have to call and tell us. It is your business and that is completely up to you. I will notate what is going on just in case the guest calls us, but we will just refer them back to you. End of discussion. Amazing response from Verbo. 10 out of 10. I love to see this kind of customer service and empowering the host. Love this. So here's the final verdict today, okay? Okay. The host, not the Airbnb hole. Verbo, not the Airbnb hole. Handled it lovely. The police, so glad to see how quickly they got involved and immediately responded to this. Not the Airbnb hole. The guests, I, I know what you all think. You think I'm going to call them the Airbnb hole. I'm actually not. I feel really sorry for them. Who is the Airbnb hole in this situation? The drug dealer. The drug dealer is. Okay? Because they are putting people into these psychoses all over. They know what they're doing. I have no sympathy for you. Life in jail. Lock them up for life. Never let them out. No parole. Okay? No more drugs. Let's clean this shit up. Okay? That's who the Airbnb hole is here. Everyone else, I either feel sorry for or commend them for a job well done. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review, so you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye!